Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the Autosport podcast today, an interview with Alan Gow. Well, our regular host, Alex Kalanorkis, is busy with our continued coverage of the recent Austrian Grand Prix. So today, James Allen is talking to Alan Gow about touring car racing, which remains one of the most popular forms of motorsport on a domestic level. It's all about entertainment and close racing, with less emphasis on technology. As the BTCC gets ready to restart in August, James Allen speaks to the head, Alan Gow, for our Hashtag Thinking Forward series about getting fans back into racetracks this season and more broadly about the future for touring car racing in the new landscape after the COVID crisis. Well, Alan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on this hashtag Thinking Forward interview. Um, obviously, we roll on. This, this crisis continues. Racing is resuming, but, but real life, normal life is still some way off uh, from resuming. But taking a, a view of the overall landscape when the world resets after this crisis, what do you think would be different about the new normal, or as some people are calling it, the new abnormal, as far as motorsports concerned? God, it's probably easier to ask what won't be different. You know, I think I think everything that we go about, the way we go about doing things, we will have to question. You know, we will, and it, it it doesn't matter whether you're talking about from the moment you leave your home, how you travel, how you get there, where you stay, how you conduct yourself. Um, is going to change. Uh, it's a lot easier for the BTCC because we are just a domestic championship. So our travel requirements and all those sort of logistics that we have to think about aren't anywhere near what, what an international championship has to do. Um, but yes, look, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is that, that, that isn't going to, that is going to remain the same. Hopefully the only thing that does, doesn't change is the on-track racing. 
you know, the on-track action shouldn't make any difference. You know, we, uh, we, we certainly don't practice social distancing in, in touring car racing. So, um, you know, as long as the on-track action doesn't suffer from what we, the changes we have to make off-track, fine with me. Throughout this um, series, we've been hearing from leaders in motorsport saying that it's inevitable there's going to be consolidation uh, after this crisis. In other words, fewer racing series that, that are strong, uh, well-supported by manufacturers, brands, etc., rather than the very fragmented landscape that we had before. Uh, it, I think we both felt it was coming anyway, but I guess this crisis has, has speeded that up. And it seems that touring car racing obviously has been successful, very successful over the years, part of the reason being that it has a very clear identity. Do you feel that it has the right product to thrive the other side of this crisis? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, um, you got, you got to put things into perspective also. Uh, touring car racing is not a technological exercise for a start. It hasn't been for many decades. Um, so all we offer is good, exciting, entertaining motorsport. Um, so if you strip, there are many series around the world um, that, that are there to demonstrate technology. Yeah, Formula One, Formula E, World, World, uh, World Rally, World Endurance. They're all great technological exercises. Um, and we're not that, you know. So, so as far as going ahead, all we have to do is keep doing that, you know, and, and make, us, make our racing relevant to what we, uh, to, to, those, um, to, to the ethos of touring car racing, make sure it's relevant to the spectators uh, and just keep on doing what we're doing. We don't have to really worry about the technological aspect as much as all those major series who will go through a lot of major changes as a result of that going forward. It's interesting you say that because obviously you've got a program, you know, developing hybrid um, and there's, there's any way this drive towards sustainability and decarbonisation in motorsport that was happening before. Again, do you see that being accelerated by the crisis and what else does, does touring car racing have planned as a roadmap? Um, it'll, it'll be accelerated by the crisis because it'll, it'll, there'll be the necessity to do that. Um, you'll, you'll have to do it because you'll have to make those changes. But at the same token, you've got, You've got series that, as I said before, uh, have got a technological aspect to them, which touring cars don't, or a very limited amount. Um, they're going to be have, they're going to have to be careful that they won't have the money available to them anymore uh, for for quite some years to go down the route that they've already started. So they're going to have to be very very careful too. Formula One, I know, has addressed it, but do you look at uh, series like uh, World Rally, um, World Endurance? They're really expensive, um, and if they don't start making changes to the way that they're that they've got to make those changes to be relevant and and cost effective, then they're going to have the you know the major problems. Formula One identified it very early, um, and and what they've done with their uh, with their uh, cost cap and everything else, fantastic. You know, other series will have to follow that lead. I think. And how do you see the participation of, uh, of manufacturers in the sport in the future? I mean, obviously, the rationale for them to invest has always been there. People like Renault have you know, been there since the dawn of the automobile, Fiat, Mercedes-Benz. But do you see the level of investment reducing inevitably, I guess, in the short term? But how do you see it more, more sort of medium term? Uh, short, short to medium term, I think... I think uh, the the amount of manufacturers involved in motorsport certainly won't increase. Um, it will probably decrease um, or they will actually consolidate into those areas that they want to be doing. 
So there are some manufacturers who, and, and until recently Mercedes was a good example of that, they were involved in DTM and Formula One and Formula E and a few other, and, and GT racing. They'll consolidate down to Formula One and Formula E now. You know. uh, and I can't imagine, I, I'm sorry, I imagine that most manufacturers will start doing that. M Motorsport will always form an important part of, of the manufacturer's marketing armoury, um, at least I would hope it would, certainly in the medium time, medium term, but I, I don't think they'll be doing as much of it. They will just consolidate and, 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 uh, and, and polarise their efforts into one or two series. There was a lot of talk at the, uh, the recent FIA conference about the sport needing to have a, a sense of purpose. Uh, where do you see the balance between entertainment and purpose in the next sort of uh, three to five years? Uh, well, touring cars is actually different to, to, to a lot of things. We are an entertain, uh, entertainment uh, uh, sport. Um, we don't, we're not technological. We, we have to, as I said before, we have to uh, make, make, it, make a nod towards it, but we're not, we're not technologically bent. So it's important that, that we retain our entertainment uh, factor. And to do that, we've got to make sure that we deliver to the customer exactly what they're tuning into touring car racing for. And that is, we don't need to, we, they don't need to know about what is necessarily under the hood, what the gearbox it has, what types of brakes it has. They're not there for that. They're there to be entertained and to provide them with a good Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, whenever it is, entertaining motorsport is absolutely what we've got to keep on doing. That's how we'll keep our audience as far as touring car racing goes. But I mean, obviously, it's it's not just um, it's not just on the technology side. I mean, sense of purpose means diversity. You know, greater inclusion, more female drivers, more drivers from di ethnically diverse backgrounds, being able to carry messaging because you have a powerful messaging platform. Uh, there's, there's all of that as well, and and also I I think what's fascinating about the the hybrid, and I noticed there's been quite a bit of messaging from your side on this as well, is that. There's an entertainment component to that too, in terms of attack Absolutely. and defence mode, etc. So you're obviously thinking quite hard about that. Look, hybrid is something that we had to do, uh, and and I don't want to make it sound like we're doing it kicking and screaming. We were one of the first, in fact, we were the first touring car championship in the world to announce a hybrid, a hybrid uh, or a definitive hybrid pathway, and 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 uh, and and. We started off with the uh, concept of eight, 18 months ago. I said to people, okay, I want a hybrid system that's going to cost 20 grand a year for the teams and, and deliver an increase in performance. And they gave them certain parameters and they all laughed at me. Uh, and now that's come true. And we've got a hybrid system that absolutely ticks all the boxes that we set out to do. Um, so, so it would, but, but at the same time, it's important to say, as, and I keep on repeating myself, we're not a technological uh, uh, exercise as far as BTCC goes. So therefore, I wanted to make the hybrid a performance edition. Um, so it so the so the hybrid system we've got in the car is for attack or defence, um, and it is used as an addition to the current car. It doesn't replace anything else. It doesn't increase the weight of the car. It doesn't detract from the racing. Uh, it, people don't have to have to have to back off to re regen. All the changes that we're making have to be positive. There has to be no negative to it, which we've seen with other hybrid systems when they've been introduced in the past in other formulas. So it was an important message to get over that, yes, we're going hybrid, but the bottom line of it to us is performance-related. 
Makes sense. How are your teams adapting to the pressures imposed by this coronavirus crisis? Obviously, it's a lot of upbeat messaging coming from you uh, over the last few months um, in your various different media activities. But, you know, the question obviously is, is valid because the teams do rely on, on, on budgets coming in. Is everybody, yeah. everybody looking robust? Look, you know, I, I, we're fortunate in, in as much as we've got 29 cars. So we've got a, a, a fair, quite a few cars on the grid that if some drop off, and inevitably I think some will drop off, um, we can, we, we, we've got that pretty well covered with, with numbers. Um, so, yes, some teams are hurting. Some teams have got their budget well covered. Other teams don't. Um, so some teams are hurting. And, and I would expect by the time we go racing in August, we will see three or four cars maybe drop off out of the field. And, and you know, considering what they're going through at the moment, I think that's a really good result for the BTCC. Um, but I think that just shows the, the, the level of commitment from the teams. At the moment, none of the teams have put their hands up in the air and said, we're out. Um, none. There will be one or two or three or four or five cars that will probably end up having budgetary problems and have to pull out. But, you know, if we can get this season finished by doing our nine rounds out of the ten that we originally had uh, uh, in, in the schedule uh, and lose just four or five cars in, in the year as a result of it, I think we've done really well. You've also got a reasonable degree of autonomy in terms of cutting costs and making moves if you need to without having to align with, with other championships and stuff. That must be quite a, uh, an advantage, should you need it. Yeah, it is. And it, it's something, we, and it's something we've already done. We've made certain changes to our regulations and certain ways that we've gone about doing things to make things cheaper for the teams. So, um, yes, we have got the autonomy. We don't have to go through another... Uh, a layer to get approvals. Um, we have a we have a, a Zoom meeting with the teams. Um, we go through a couple of ideas. We agree it. It's done. Um, there's no other process than that. So you know, and and the and the teams are, as I said, they're incredibly committed. Um, you know, they're incredibly upbeat about the future, uh, and they can't wait to get going. I mean, the, the schedule we put to them this year was really, really difficult. You know, we, we start on the same weekend as the Silverstone Formula One race, first weekend of August. And we race uh, for the next, uh, we race four weekends out of the next five. You know, that's a lot of racing. And that makes it really hard. So we, and, and through the rest of the season, we've got three back-to-back -back events. Now, sure, you know, we're only travelling from, you know, county to county, but that's really hard work. You know, the, these are teams that are made up Half of them are professional, half of them are amateur, uh, as far as their workers go. Uh, you know, most, of the, most of their workers on the weekends are, are, are temporary. So we've got to, you know, when I put the calendar to them, not one of them said to me, yeah, okay, this is too hard, I don't, want to do, I don't want to do this. They all to a man said, yep, we're up for it, let's get going. Fantastic. I, speaking of scheduling, I can imagine, obviously, a critical part of, uh, of the BTC6 success is the partnership with ITV. And I can imagine the TV scheduling when you had to sort of rip up what was originally planned and, and then put it all together in, in quite a tight time frame with, with plenty of other things going on. What were the building blocks to, to getting that piece right? Well, it was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> thanks for reminding me. It, it's... Um... The, the problem is, or the beauty is, our arrangement with ITV is we have a seven hour or seven or more hours of TV, live TV. Um, so we, we go to air 10.30 or 11 o'clock in the morning, depending on the circuit, and finish at six at night. 
And that's a big block of TV that we've got to try and squeeze in. It's not, we're not talking about an hour or two highlights or an hour or two's worth of, worth of so we've got to take over virtually a whole day scheduling. So to do that and then do that all and compress that all into the second half of the year and do that while every other sport is trying to do the same and battling to get their, their share on the schedules, given that we, we need most of it, that was really difficult. Um, so we kept on, we, I, I, I think I might have said to you uh, at another time, I'm, I'm sure I went through more than 30 calendar changes. I had a, I, I had a, uh, I had a, a, a Word document on my, on my screen that uh, just kept on being changed all the time. Eventually, I, it'll be over 30. We went through 30 different permutations of the calendar until uh, we got to the stage where everyone could agree it. And then you just sit back and cross your fingers and hope that nothing changes between now and then. And the only thing that'll change between now and then is if there's a government directive that may, may stop us through a, a second lockdown or something else. But, but so far, so good. I think we've got our timing right. You know, uh, we, we could have gone in July, but we decided to wait until August. And I think, uh, I think our timing was pretty much spot on. Unfortunately, we end in, in, in mid-November in deepest, darkest Kent. Um, and um, it'll be bloody cold and bloody dark. But, uh, you know, again, we'll just have to get through it. We'll just do what we can. I just suppose nothing if not uh, able to adapt and yeah. uh, be innovative. But I guess the other key stakeholder in all of this is the circuits, of course. It's, they've not been having an easy time because they're obviously yeah. so reliant on, on event income. Uh, so obviously running behind closed doors with... I guess, were you hoping that towards the end of this you might be able to admit some spectators? And, and what about, you know, the other balancing out the, the, their requirements with other money spenders like British Superbikes, for example? Look, at, at, as each day, go, day goes past, I'm more and more confident there will be an element of spectators allowed into the circuits. Um, by, you know, only this last week we've had, uh, we've had uh, the government announce that uh, obviously shops are now open, shopping malls are open, theme parks are open, you know, zoos are open. So I, I struggle to understand how you can allow 30,000 people at Alton Towers theme park and not allow, I don't know, 10,000 people at Donington Park. So I, I'd, be, I'd be very surprised if by August there wasn't a, an amount of spectators allowed in. Um, so, um, again, I go back to what I said before, and that is I think we've got our timing dead on for that. Um, uh, I'd be surprised if, if we went to a circuit where spectators weren't allowed. But there will, be, there will obviously be um, a limit to it. They'll give you a percentage or a, or a maximum number that might be allowed or whatever. But it'll be enough to, to hopefully make it work for everyone. Shifting the focus out a little bit, Alan, obviously you're also president of the FIA Touring Car Commission. Can you give us your wider worldview on the challenges and opportunities for, for touring car racing globally? Well, um, well, World, the WTCR uh, is, is, is going through a major change at the moment. They've had to cancel the world aspect of it, if you like, and just concentrate their races into, into uh, Europe for this year. Because uh, logistically and politically, it was just too difficult for them to to undertake a, a, a an international uh, series. So that's being compressed into a into a series that is just just for Europe, um, and that starts in September uh, and finishes in in uh, in end of November as well. Um, so they've had to make a ma they've had to make the major change uh, that. that ourselves in the BTCC didn't have didn't have to worry about and that is they had to stop going across the world 
uh, and and just and just contain themselves to 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 Europe. On the same token, uh, going forward, they're introducing uh, Eurosport are introducing a um, an electric only series, uh, which uh, was going to debut this year at Goodwood, but of course Goodwood has been cancelled as far as a as far as a, a demonstration run. And uh, next year that'll that'll uh, debut, uh, and and that'll be an interesting project. You know, that's that's again a good long term project to look at touring car racing as far on a worldwide basis should obviously look at electrification. Um, Australia's going through some hard times at the moment. They'll get through it. But, uh, you know, Australia's very dear to my heart being Australian and I still have uh, uh, lots of friends involved in the industry down there. They're going through a hard time at the moment and they're now going through a huge catch-up phase where they've realised that uh, things have actually overcome them uh, much more quickly than the circumstances have overcome them much more quickly than what they thought would happen. And they're going to have to make some very fundamental change to their regulations to make their cars uh, uh, more relevant to and make their racing more more relevant to the world we live in now. So Australia is going through, through a big change. NASCAR, it's not part of it, the FIA's remit, but NASCAR, if you want to call that touring car racing, is going through another major change. And you've got... Uh, you know, of, of all things, you know, a few years ago, you'll remember, James, it was, a, it was a big song and dance when they went from carburetors to fuel injection and now they're going to go hybrid. You know, so, so, you know, that, that to me underlines, you know, a, a real revolution in the way that uh, motorsport is going. And, of course, DTM, again, you know, it's, um, it's not something FIA is directly related to, but DTM is going through a terrible time. Um, uh, the the um, the two major manufacturers have, have, have announced that one's pulled out and one's announcing going at the end of the year, Audi, which only leaves BMW. So obviously the, the, the current uh, format that they've got is unsustainable. Um, and so they're going through a lot of heartache at the moment. They'll, they'll find a way around. Um, on a positive note, and obviously on the question also of the drive to make the sport more accessible, the rise of uh, racing esports during this enforced break has been has been incredible and it's really given uh, that, that whole world a, a moment to shine, obviously culminating in the Le Mans virtual a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, had buy-in from all strands of, of, uh, of the sport with over 200 drivers participating. What's been your uh, view on, uh, on the rise of racing esports uh, during this period? Um, look, I, I can't say I've watched a lot of it, but you can't help but notice what, what, what's going on around you. Um, my... My my problem is that BTCC wasn't a part of it because we literally didn't have any B, uh, have a BTCC video game or cars that were relevant to our racing that we could use. So we sort of missed the boat there a bit with the BTCC. Um, but in general, with esports, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it uh, how it goes once racing is getting back to whatever the normal is. Once racing is back on everyone's TV screens. It'll be interesting to see how that carries on, and 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 to what level that will carry on. It certainly, obviously, won't carry on as it's gone uh, uh, in the last two or three months, because drivers will be more focused on their proper racing and won't probably undertake a lot of the esports. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. But but. I'm not, the, I'm not the greatest expert on it, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. If, if, if we had a BTCC eSport game, I think I'd be a little bit more, um, a, a bit more bullish about it. But uh, um, 
it, it's I, I'd be surprised if it, if it if it held on to the last couple of months uh, of growth that it has. Um, but what it has done is actually probably put the put 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 the put the video gaming in the spotlight of a lot of people that didn't even look at it before. So that'll be good for the it'll be good for the long term of the video game industry because a lot of people would have taken it up that they wouldn't have done before. And uh, on the same sort of bent, um, obviously grassroots. A lot of a lot of leaders in motorsport are saying that actually. Um, we build back stronger, but we with grassroots. Obviously, Formula One's coming back at the higher end, et cetera, et cetera. But there already is grassroots motorsport has been happening in, in various different parts. You mentioned Australia; they've been having events, and it can start from even simple things like uh, things involving your own road car in, in sort of irregularity tests and things like that. But how do you see the importance of, of grassroots coming out of this crisis? Well, grassroots is a fundamental of all motorsport. You know, we all started from grassroots motorsport. Um, and so, you know, it is a backbone of, of, of motorsport. I think grassroots will do all right. Um, it's uh, apparently, uh, and I don't have anything other than what people have told me, but apparently, uh, you know, the track bookings now for the next few months and their race meetings for the next few months in the UK uh, are, are, are fantastically uh, are, are full and, 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 and oversubscribed in a lot of areas. So I think grassroots will be okay. Um, uh, there's a lot of it, you know, and there's a lot of it. So there's it, it, a lot of it that, that need to be okay. And perhaps there'll be some rationalisation in grassroots motorsport. We were talking about it before when you said about there's so many championships and there'll be a lot of rationalisation. And there should be. That, that, that's a good thing that'll come out of this. Um, but, but fundamentally, grassroots, I think, will be fine. And it was in the last, in, in the last economic crisis we had in 2008, 2009. Grassroots did fine as well. And your support championships on the bill, things like F4, you know, Janetta's, all those things, are they all in, are they in okay shape as we head into the yeah. season? Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard any horror stories from them. Um, inevitably, there will be one or two that will lose um, competitors. Um, so I'd be surprised if the amount of competitors we finish with in the year in the support races is the same as what we started, but I don't expect a huge routing of them. You know, um, so I'll, 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 it'll be a bit like the BTCC. You'll, you'll lose three or four from each race or whatever, and that's inevitable. That's, 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 that's to be expected. But you know, our support races are all very, very strong, um, and we've got new ones this year with a mini-challenge. Um, Formula 4, I think, was headed for the biggest year they've had for many years. Um, so I don't have any problems with support races. Again, they're all saying to me the same thing as the BTCC, and that is, let's get going. You know, let's, let's, let's just put all this behind us and just get going. Well, you're going to get going in uh, just over a month from now, so good luck with that. But thank you very much for taking the time, Alan, to speak to us today for this hashtag Thinking Forward interview. And uh, let's hope you get your wish and get a few, a few punters through the door before the end of the season. Thanks, Jim. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.